<laughs> Live from Pelican Cast. <laughs> uh, all pelicans, all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Can I opt out of this? Oh my god, I just want to take you back to this piece from, I think that we didn't even get to air this one, when we were talking about spiders, and you were like, what if every spider that was potentially in your house was actually a pelican? Yes, yes, you're a thousand percent correct. We lost the, uh, we lost the audio on that one, I forget what happened, something went boom. That was <laughs> divine intervention. It was! God was like, stop talking about this crazy shit. <laughs> And you'd open up your drawer and find a pelican <laughs> in your closet. No! <laughs> or like, I wake up and I've got a pelican bite on my face. <laughs> what kind of fucking antihistamines do you need to deal with that? <laughs> what sound do they make? Pelicans? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the sound I make when I think about them. I don't know. <laughs> So, like, as a species, they sound like, oh, God. <laughs> that, that's with a, a pretty good With sound. a mix of, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we can find out. Do we want to find out? Don't we? Uh, what sound does pelican make? I know um, that was probably a burp, but it sounded like you're trying not to vomit. <laughs> no, it was not a burp. I don't know. I think it was me holding my breath in anticipation of finding out what sound a pelican makes. <laughs> ah, so good. Uh, also, um, I should mention, tap to unmute. Why would it? Everything is so dumb now. <laughs> well, this is worse than I had imagined. It was just audio. I don't know. Oh my god! I'm gonna go down a YouTube rabbit hole, and it's gonna be awful. Yay! <laughs> I'm my really... suggested videos are gonna be insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I am oh. I'm Lillian Bustle. I am Jen Ponton, and we have hidey holes full of pelicans here on just all the phones everywhere. Just pelicans, pelicans all the way down. <laughs> It is a good allegory for what this podcast really is because uh, Lillian and I are very feeling. (laughs) Wait, wait, I'm going somewhere. I got it. I'm ready. I'm buckled in. Uh, I'm fine. Here we go. (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about our topic for today? Yeah. So um, Lillian and I were just yesterday. She was she was like, "Hey, maybe we could talk about grudges." And then I threw up a little bit in my mouth. This morning, I saw this beautiful meme. Okay, Margo Feldman posted, "Uh, Soft magic is recognizing that we've all caused harm and we're all still deserving of compassion. Mm. And I was like, hey, Lillian, maybe maybe just talking about stuff like this would be good. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, yeah, and because I, I think we've been um, we've been sort of getting these topics. I mean, I guess more tangible things, or that's not even right. Um, but w- when 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 faced with the idea of a concept, I do mm-hmm. realize that I have a ton of things that I could talk about th- that have to do not just with how I feel about that, but also times in my life when that has popped up. And it's it's right. interesting because it's stuff that might not have come to might not have come to us while our brains were foggy with um, pelicans. Yes. Right, right. Because it is. It's a concept versus a topic. We're yeah. not going back to a period in time. We're talking about something that we've lived through, a lesson that has been taught over and over at length. Um, and so today we wanted to talk a little bit about like inner strength through compassion, through grace, through being forgiving with yourself and others. Um, and I... For me, that has personally been a huge, a huge, um, a huge point of healing in my life. Because as per episodes that we have talked about, um, frenemies and betrayals and abandonment and abuse, um, the adage is true. Forgiveness is not for them it's for you oh yeah yep yeah Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of there's a lot of peaceful ground there's a lot of peaceful ground that i've had to gain um on certain experiences and from certain people to just help heal me a little bit more and that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's been forgotten but the forgiveness is for me Sure, it's exhausting to hate someone. Oh, it's so, so exhausting. exhausting. It's such a bleed of life energy. Yeah. It really is. <sighs> I think I told you um, when I was having my feels about my... <sighs> when things kicked up again, I found my friend had written those anti-gay books. Mm. Um, the feeling that I settled into being mad and feeling betrayed by him was so familiar that I was like, Oh, I used to do this so much. Mm. I used to just sort of like sit in an aspect of this. (laughs) Oh God. Um, and you know, to, to be able to acknowledge that and to be like, Oh, I don't do this anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him and I feel bad that this is how he's decided that he to has to live position his life. himself right but, yeah but i don't sit around and like mm. plots about how this affects my life or like maybe if i had been a better friend to him like whatever mm, yeah yeah it's not about saving someone and it's not about resenting them oh i'm good at both of those though i know i know you who and I. Am I. Who am I if I'm not Beverly? Who am I if I'm not Whoa. Wendy? You're someone so much cooler. I know. I know. Thank God. <laughs> I would like to give an early recommendation because this is something that I want to talk about. But one of the most impactful books I have ever read was Codependent No More, which mm. I was very like ugh about because A, it sounds like one of those cheesy ass mm-hmm. 70s self-help books that was such mm-hmm. a like a trope and a trend and like, haha. Um, and also I just don't like the blank no more. Like I don't, I just didn't like the title. Right. Yeah, Honestly, sure. I looked at it a couple times. The cover was not appealing to me and my therapist feels dismissive. Was like, huh? It feels dismissive. 
it's reductive for sure. Yeah. Um, but also I didn't quite understand what codependency was until I talked about it with my therapist. Uh, and that book made me re-examine every relationship in my life. That, that allowed me to let go of so much and also to notice, to try to do that, that mindfulness thing where you sit and you watch yourself do something without trying to judge it. Oh, yes. So being able to identify my own behavior patterns without beating myself up and without trying to overanalyze it was really freaky also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to just be a passive observer of your of yourself. Yeah. I had a deep, and I don't know if I'll cut this ultimately because it's so personal. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so vulnerable. Um, basically... Uh, around this time last year, I had, um, I had a not great friend, um, kind of, uh, push me away rather suddenly and, uh, cruelly. And, um, it was the first time that that had happened in a handful of years uh, since I got rid of my number one frenemy. Uh. And, uh, and it it, it threw me for a loop. It was painful and upsetting. And probably more than anything, I was mad at myself for not having realized that he was still part of that group of people. Uh, that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> I was pretty sure. In fact, if I had looked at it, if I had looked at it honestly, uh-huh. I would have said that, yeah, he's he's the kind of the remaining one of this bunch. However, he hasn't done anything overtly wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I couldn't find it in my heart to push someone away who hadn't actually been shitty to me. Uh-huh. Um, rather, who kind of was just a friend out of fixing and out of... Uh-huh needing me as opposed to real normal friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so he, you he say p- normal friendship, like that's a thing, but yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I know what you mean. Balanced, um, he, balanced friendship. Yeah, balanced, right. <laughs> balanced. So he, he, he pushed me away quite suddenly and very cruelly, oh. um, th- this time last year. And it was really shitty and I was very, um, bewildered angry so hurt um but i was most angry at myself um for for knowing in my heart that he was someone that i only really that i that i had a hunch i should not be friends with anymore and then Mm. and then he proved it and when i i spent a very introspective wounded uh, summer, really working on those feelings because I know how much they can fuck me up. Right. Um, because I've lived through years of them fucking me up. And so I really, like, I let myself just lay down and journal and cry and process and journal and cry and process. And in doing so, um, you know, like, one hurt is the key to all other hurts, that kind of a thing. Mm. In doing so, I found some very unresolved wounds from previous uh, friendship abandonments. Wow. 
that were still uh, very much like dormant volcanoes. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was all just by journaling and processing and using, you know, prompts from from my coach and from different, you know, mental health, spiritual guides. And um, I was like, oh, I'm going to work on the, the actual keystone of this because mm-hmm. the keystone of it is probably the most raw and like, it's certainly the youngest one mm-hmm. the, I, when it happened, like I'm, I'm stuck in that moment in time. And so the way I feel about it now is still the way I felt about it when it happened. Like sure. it's, it's frozen there. Yeah. Yeah. Things, they calcify. Yes. Yes. And so I was like. Let me work on this in earnest, as opposed to just saying, it's over and done with, can we just be done? Uh-huh. Okay, let's not be done. Fine. You want to you wanna chew on this? Let's <laughs> really chew on it. Yeah. And I did. I journaled, and I wrote, and I talked it out, and I, I it was a lot of writing, a lot of writing mm-hmm. and a lot of just allowing myself to go back and feel feelings wholly and truly that I didn't, that I wasn't able to do when I felt I took the high road. Um, yeah. And that's, that's maybe the problem with the high road. It's no. that we can yeah. confuse it with just walking away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the same thing at all. You gotta feel your feelings. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I knew it hurt. I knew it was awful. I still think about it as one of the most awful things that I've ever gone through. But um but I I tried so hard to not allow myself to linger. And I gave myself time to linger there. And by doing so and by really taking my time and giving myself permission to do it. I not only was able to process the friend that sort of just dumped me last year, mm-hmm. I was also able to process and move through this keystone betrayal wow. in a way it shifted so profoundly and it was incredible. It was really, it was really incredible. There, I mean... There was so much wrapped up in it, uh, just so much unresolved, so much unsaid, so many feelings of resentment about me not being appreciated or valued. Mm. And I got to work on and chew on all of them and really, really dive deep and allow myself to do so in a way that I not, I had never. That's, yeah. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, yeah, and I would say that my level of negative charge about them has really muted in in the face of that. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's, everything is so tricky. Like, <laughs> when you, when one of those little things unlocks, though, I just mm. feel like, 
like the most one with the world. And um, that's when I'm like, oh, these wonderful little blessings are just sort of floating around, mm-hmm. waiting for us to grab them or waiting us to be able to, to see them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even if we're not going to grab them, even if we're just going to reach up and just like tickle them a little bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, that is one of the things where when I was going through my depression last year before I got on the Wellbutrin, all of that was gone for me. Like I wasn't seeing grace. I wasn't seeing it going from me to someone else. I wasn't seeing other people. Like I was so anxious all the time that I was screwing things up and, or not doing enough. That's my story my whole life. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I wasn't getting those, um, beautiful, soft magic moments. Like I wasn't, even able to identify them. And then I did what I always do when I'm not getting the thing that I want or need. I pretend that I don't want or need it. Right. Right. However, when that thing is feelings. Oh, my little Capricorn. Oh, my little strong Capricorn. Who needs to feel things? Who needs them? Give me money. Power. (laughs) I'm the worst Capricorn. <laughs> oh, somebody buy me a beanbag chair. <laughs> That's your Taurus moon. That is one billion percent your Taurus moon. It is profoundly powerful in you for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, I and like. <laughs> I mean, and I know my birth order has to do with a lot of this too, but um, I. Uh, being it's it's weird to have gone from a time where I felt so empty to being to having like January, February, March, January, February, two weeks in March, where I was like had a job that I really liked for a while and I was really feeling open to having great personal mm-hmm. interactions with people again and I like um, my show was ending at this one venue but then we were there were all these other things and I was like here's a new chapter it's gonna be great <laughs> and then I just basically <laughs> like got. Like on space shows where they put you into stasis. So oh, like, yeah. So that you're not freaking out on your way to the moon or whatever. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're all still at a standstill and I'm not enjoying it. And I think it's very difficult to enjoy it. But to reap the rewards that it has to offer is worthwhile. And I think there is something worthwhile in being aimless. Um, but... Yesterday, like, it it has had me wondering, oh, my God, am I ever going to have the immense ambition and drive and get up and go and enthusiasm that has, like, defined my life? Uh, It's there. My adult life. Don't even worry about that. It's there. there. It is. um, uh, That's not a thing that comes and goes. That's part of you that is just in a box right now. Not even in a box. Just, like, um, waiting in line. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> For its turn yeah, to play. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that. Although not getting to play with it as as nearly as much as I usually do is a little uh, alarming. But yesterday, I had an interview with um, my friend slash big sister slash mentor, Bonnie Gillespie, f- uh, to be a speaker for this online summit that she's doing. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and it's just kind of like it's it's a very large assembly of all kinds of artistic leaders. 
Um, lots and lots of actors, some coaches, some uh, casting directors, some uh, writers, just all kinds of people in the arts who are natural leaders, and I am delighted to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was like turning on a light switch without phoning it in. You know, I it was just like someone let her out of the box wow. for a while. And it was safe for her to be out of the box. And I was like, oh, right. And, you know, just talking about how excited I am for actual things to come back in the world and change that I know will happen and that I am confident that I'll be a part of. And that was really helpful. That was that was really nice. That was a moment where I was like, ooh, okay, all of this is still here. My purpose is still here. My fire is still here. Mm-hmm. Even if I literally just spend every day gazing into the abyss and reflecting. And there's a lot of reflection. I think that's I think that's the one thing to to really work on in a time like this yeah. where nothing will be demanded of you except to sit still for like a year. Let's be real guys, it's right. going to be like a year. <laughs> yeah. So I found um I think there's grace in that in accepting that and looking for a gift and I mean the the very disciplined part of me wherever she is <laughs> she's on a long holiday right now but um the very disciplined part of me would be like cool let's do lots of journaling and lots of meditation and lots of blah 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 but I don't really feel like doing like pulling out any of those tools right now because those are tools for me to find a way to reflect when everything is busy. And now I can only reflect constantly. Right. So where grace is concerned, I have always had a, a much harder time forgiving myself than forgiving other people. Mm, for Absolutely. Sure. Like over and over and over and over. So um, that and and that's that is part because of the codependency that I had with my mom. Um, and part because of my, uh, specifically Protestant Christian upbringing, mm-hmm. um, where it was, there was so much of an emphasis. I don't know if other people have experienced this, but an emphasis on like channeling Christ's divinity and, um, mm. like behaving Christ-like and the closer you could be to a person who had their their heart open and messy at all times, and even to the point where you might get like down. I was a fucking martyr. That's what it is. Now that I'm saying oh. it all out loud, like that. And nobody wants. To, that's not who people really want to be friends with. That's not people who really want to something. That's not someone people really want to love them as like a, a like a uh, an a, an intimate partner, um, uh, someone who you would want to traverse the universe with. Um, that's very hard to be with someone who mm. sacrifices themselves so much. And I, I watched my mom do it. I remember her saying over and over, um, like, I do all of this for you. I don't buy myself clothes. I don't go because oh, I'm taking you everywhere. Like, all of these sacrifices I'm making for you. And, you know, finally I was like, no one's asking you to do that. No one's, I want you to have a life. I want you to have, I want you to have clothes. Don't buy me a hundred things from the dollar store. Like, <sighs> Give me the yep. get me the ten dollar lip gloss I want, and then you go buy some fucking clothes that you like. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and uh, yikes! 
And I, I mean, with my mom over and over again, I had no choice but to engage. Um, the mm-hmm. forgiveness after she passed away took a very long time. I knew it was coming. I didn't think for a moment that I was ever going to stay mad at my mom forever, but everything was just so fucking caustic. Yeah. Um, that, uh, for me to, and also, cool. I owe myself $120 for my time. Um, I, the reason why it was, fuck man, the reason why it was so hard for me to forgive her was because part of that after she died was me forgiving me. Mm, Of course. Of course. It's very astute. It's very astute. Uh, I, I have, I have, back to your point about like, um, sucking it up versus walking away. Mm -hmm. Um, that I was so desperate to be a peacemaker when I was growing up that like I would broker exchanges of forgiveness between people. Yes. You were telling me that you were like a mediator. That's mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, I remember thinking how bizarre it was that it was so easy for me to take the blame when it wasn't my fault and watch someone's face change when I like fessed up, I owned up to something that was absolutely not my fault. The satisfaction oh, on their face God. and like that moment of, um, superiority, uh, where it, it was, in the moment, I felt like we both knew that that person was manipulating me into oh, admitting no. it. But, like, it was an unspoken thing that we're like, I guess we're role-playing this. Oh, no. I hate that journey for you. Mm. That's some bullshit. Yeah. That took me a very long time to um, – we have a saying in the South, uh, all up in that, like, hair in a biscuit. So, like, if you bake a hair into a biscuit – you just soused me so hard. <laughs> All up in that like hair in a biscuit. Shoo! Laws, yes. Shoo. Yeah. That's I mean, but that's how it felt like trying to pull that out. Oh my god. Can you uh, if even even if you don't want to get into specifics, can you give me sort of like an example of how and where that happened? How and where it happened before. Uh, someone it, someone realizing how? that they could indeed pin something on you and like what you were taking the hit for and how they then acted afterwards. I had very bad friendship with this girl who we will call Lisa. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I've really. Oh, she was the one whose parents stopped talking to me at church. Oh. Um, I apologized to her multiple times about things that were not my fault in any way. And she would, she would like, we would be super close and then she would ice me out. Um, Our relationship was different than I've seen and experienced in other things too, because she didn't have a bunch of other close friends. It wasn't like we were part of a circle and then she would go with those girls and ice me out. No, no, no. We were, we were weird together. We were like best friends and didn't have a whole lot of ancillary third parties that sounds like mine. And then she would, but she would do, it didn't matter. It was like, well, I've met my boyfriend, so who cares? Yeah. Um, and just 
smug, just so she was, how do you even get that smug at the age of 13, 14? Like, how do you, (laughs) I know, I don't know. I know, but, um, uh, I can't, I can't think of a specific incident, but when I think about it, it's almost always with women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, occasionally though, occasionally with male bosses, now that I'm thinking about that and I don't do Mm -hmm. that shit anymore. I do not. But when I was Mm -hmm. younger and had no boundaries, um, if it, yeah, I would, I would be like, no, no, you're right. It's my fault. I, I did fuck this up. It's the client was right and I was wrong or whatever. And then they would, it's like they were patting on my, me on the head being like, oh good. I knew you'd, I knew you'd realize what a fuck up you were. And here you are. Sure. Yes. Yes. Now you can go back to work. But it Ugh. was it was sort of like, you know when you pop a zit that's not ready to be popped? Oh, my God. That's, that's what it is. Like, I'm pushing the goo back further down in. And it feels okay and it feels right in the moment, but it's not. It's just fucking Oh, it's ring. really not. Yeah. And in that four days, it's going to be a nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> Oh. And probably literally manifesting itself that way. I used to get work anxiety dreams so bad. Ugh. Mm, that's awful. It's okay. I'm better now. <laughs> I would, um, I... It's been 40, 41 years. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, I didn't, uh, because of early, because of early trauma about getting shit pinned on me that was not mine, um, I was adamantly panicky when things would be pinned on me um and 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 I mean my response was was literally like cold ice abject fear in that moment um and fiercely defensive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um you know, very much like, no, I said this would never happen to me ever again. I am ensuring that it doesn't happen to me ever again. Yeah. <sighs> Which, you know, is maybe an overshot, but coming from that same place and like, but I would say when it's not something, when it's not something that is performative based, when it's not something that's like school or work or an achievement or, you know, following social code, when it was about trying to get to someone who had iced me out, when it was about trying to pave the road back to someone, there certainly was a sense of, look, I'll fall on whatever sword you want me to as long as things can go back to normal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 You just want the tension to be gone. And it does, yeah. it does release for a second, but it's not really gone. Or, and mm-hmm. or it's replaced by a different gas that's causing pressure. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs> we know uh, it's shame. It's shame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was just bewildered and looking for looking for human connection and like, did, what did I do? I'm sorry I fucked it up. What did I do? Mm-hmm. And again, it's, um, it's that sense of like, when you grow up as someone like the child of an alcoholic or someone with all sorts of codependency issues, you 
are taught that you are the cause of whatever bad is going on. Yep. Because you're automatically the dumping ground for it. Yeah. So the early messaging is you have to make sure that this individual is safe and stable and sober and not a danger to themselves or others. And the only way to do that is by constantly monitoring their mood and making sure that they are okay. Yes. And that's fucking exhausting. It is exhausting. That's again but what I keep talking about. But it's a tendency that does not go away. What did you say? It's a tendency that just does not go away. Oh, well, no, it is a defense mechanism, but it's also a people skill that I think, I, I mean, I can say that that served me very well. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. when you Could feel like you. you have to do it, it's that vigilance right. fatigue that I keep talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. on all the time. You're on and you're like, what? where am I? And the second that you relax and something happens that you didn't anticipate, you're like, fuck, I can't. Yeah. I can't just relax. And then honestly, there's resentment on that for me because I here I was having a great time and now I'm anxious again. Yeah. <laughs> here I was peaceful and then all of a sudden your bad mood pressed this button for me. Yeah. And here I am trying to navigate it in a way that feels safe. Yeah. Like... Um, that's, we can't, that's it's just very shitty. much a emotional feeling of, we can't have nice things. Like I can't. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the way that I guess other people could perceive it is like someone being too empathetic, but the empathy is the defense mechanism. The empathy is the safety valve. Yeah. Because it's it's a sense of other people that is required to make sure you're not going to be <laughs> abused. Right. <laughs> you're not going to be in an unsafe situation. My God. Oh, the amount. And of- there's also something, too, though, <sighs> when you expect to be in, a, in an unsafe situation. So, like, if that's, if that's your baseline, if you're like, I guess this is how it always is. <sighs> but I'm going to use me sentences here. I, mm-hmm. it, since I did that to myself, um, I invited that left, right, and upside down from other people. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because so that like, well, is your if, normal if, point. Right. If everything's bonkers and chaos anyway, this everything, then, then that fucking behavior looks normal. <laughs> this is what looks normal. Yes. This is also still, even if you can rationalize it till the cows come home, this is still going to always be what looks and feels like love. Yeah. That's the imprint, which is so shitty. You can't change your imprint. You can just change how you respond to it and the speed with which you do. But like... That's so real. That's what love looks like. That's what you were taught love was. And you can't real... Ugh. Your your primal brain will... That will always be the first impulse. And whatever unlearning and, and... healing that you do on top of that is all going to be a very, very speedy, um, reframing. Right. But yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what love is. I want to know what love is. (sighs) Oh, sir, you do not. (laughs) Trust me. I want someone else to show me. Oh, Preferably man. from a stable home. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. But yeah, I... Um, it's funny. So when Jen and I were at first taught, we were like, what is grace? What does the term grace actually mean? Is it a blend of compassion and forgiveness? Um, and uh, when I looked it up, the the actual Webster, I guess, definition was uh, courteous goodwill, which is simple, but I don't think that's how most of us consider that word. Mm, I no, think I don't think so. Grace sounds so much more magnanimous than just courteous goodwill. Like that sounds like leaving someone a good tip. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even the term fall from grace, like that's major, like a fall from courteous goodwill. Like that's, <laughs> that means nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, grace is more powerful and profound than that for yeah. sure. And I think that in general, it does have a very religious overtone, but maybe that's just for me and how I grew up with that term. Um, I think that's where we get it. Yeah. I think a lot of the re- the social references to grace come from that. And it's that infusion into your more secular life experience that is what makes it a bit divine right. and profound. Trying to think of ways that I have experienced and shared grace and forgiveness and compassion in a way that didn't make me a martyr. And I think that I think that I did, but it just didn't occur to me to think of it as grace. Like my compassion with my compassion is so deep that it has injured me in the past. Yes. Oh my god, it has fully laid me flat. Yeah. Oh, and it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Um, there are a couple of books that I've been meaning to read about um, empathy. And I don't know the way I, I don't feel like I'm literally feeling your feelings. That's not what it is. But it's what drew me to theater because my sense memory and my ability to put myself into someone else's shoes is really like my superpower. Um, mm. And like like a superpower, sometimes it takes over and fucks me up sometimes. Um, but mm-hmm. that, um, that ability, all of the stuff that I learned from watching my mom and making her ha- trying to make her happy, like being able to observe someone and see the small changes in them also brings me great joy when I'm making someone happy. So it's that both that I can feel somebody's pain and that I get right. double the reward when I please someone. Absolutely. And that is addictive. Oh, yes. I feel like I just right. unpacked something else right here, right now. Boop, yeah, boop, you did. Boop. You did. And it's, it's so true. Right. Because Right. And I think, okay, so let's, let's dive deeper into it psychologically. So that sense of reward, it's also, so you and I both know from dealing with, um, with very erratic, abusive parental figures, Mm -hmm. you and I both know that no matter how much the coping mechanism and the defense mechanism is, I need to be able to keep them in a good space. You never can. Right. You never can. Because it isn't. Because you can't control it. Because it's not really you, even though you think it's you. Because that's the only kind of messaging that you get. Yeah. So, when you're in the normal world outside of that abusive dynamic, and when, yeah, in a relatively healthy 
um, back and forth with a with another person. Sure, you can positively impact their mood. It then reaffirms your safety mechanism. Oh, uh huh. Yep. Oh, sure. So you no, do. It was like, always you very that clear. Joy. You're like, oh, it's a it's the reward center of your brain. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You feel that joy. You palpably feel that joy. And then also your limbic system is like, see, I told you it works. Yes. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're getting that confirmation that you need. It, so it sets off things in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And because of my Capricorning, I'm sure that I also get that like, I win. Like it's not just oh, like a sure. reinsurance where, but it's the gambling <laughs> part of it on top where you're like, yeah, oh. that's the gamble. It is the crap stable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so many parts Mm. of my life have been a crap stable. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, definitely the term compassion is what I I relate to more. And that's why forgiveness, even when, so I used to get wrapped up in you can forgive someone and remove them from your life. Mm. Those are two things that are not mutually exclusive. And those are things that I did not understand when I was younger. I felt like forgiveness was always taking someone back. And even if you were like, I don't want to be treated like this. And they were like, okay, okay, I promise. I love you. Uh, and then they do it again. Then you're supposed to forgive them and let them do it again. Right. And that's not, not how that works. Even if you are <laughs> Jesus. How many right. times are you going to let them nail you that fucking cross, sir? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I feel like I only had to learn forgiveness in the face of abandonment. Oh, wow. Because um I I mean for forgiveness with me with people who are actively in my life is easier. Mm. It's so much easier. Um, yeah, I understand you're human, and I love you, and it's okay. And thank you for your your remorse, and let's move forward. Yeah. Um, but so many people whom I've had to forgive have been ones that just fucking vanished on me. And so I've almost exclusively learned forgiveness within the bubble of for someone who's not here anymore and not even someone who's not here anymore for someone who left without any closure. jeez. Oh, no closure. Ugh. Not a lick of it. That sucks. Not a lick oh, of it. Oh, yeah. that and that also was would lead me to apologize for things that weren't my fault was the closure like that that um mm. that Roger Rabbit where where it's like like I can't not two bits that I have to I can't have that unresolved cord <laughs> gives me such a feeling of anxiety and tension that I can't it's not possible for me to not at least try to break that tension mm. Um, I, uh, there are very, very few relationships that I walked away with that at least trying, you know, with someone who didn't completely disappear. If I, if I knew how to get in touch with that person, I would at least try to either not even extend an olive branch or, um, 
I have even in the past been like, Hey, listen, this is so much and I don't know how to process it. And I just want to tell you that I miss you and I still care about you. And I don't, I try not to apologize about things. Like I'm just like, this is all of this was big. And also what we had meant a lot to me and I still think about you. And then just leaving it there like that still feels like an unwashed plate. But at the same time, it's, Mm. it's so much healthier than what I used to do. Oh, that's beautiful though. Oh my God. That's beautiful. I, I feel like I did not have the opportunity to do that because the cruelty with which, um, those doors were slammed was so profound that it's like even remotely trying to put myself out there and be like, listen, uh, this is a lot. I still care. I still think about you feels so vulnerable. Um, you know, it's not like there was some difficulty and back and forth and then we both kind of gave up. No, this was like dramatic 180s from people who had been my friends who all of a sudden were just loathsome. Wow. <laughs> really dastardly fucking shit. Um, which, you know. Yeah. Part of that Made me feel me. like my picker was broken. Your picker? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It makes you feel like you should have seen this. Like, what's, right. what's wrong with me that I was able to trust this person? What's wrong with my right. judgment that I didn't see this coming or I did and I ignore the red flags? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will, and that's why I will tell you, like, me forgiving myself for my judgment uh, is the hardest part because I. There's not a one of them that I can look at their history with me or even their observable history among people I know and can say, why, yes, this was completely out of character. (laughs) Bitch, no, it wasn't. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, all of these people had red flag after red flag after red flag and... I wanted to Wendy them. I wanted to fix them. I wanted to help them. I wanted to be the person who could be the best possible friend that they could not say no. Winning! Winning? (laughs) (laughs) Winning! Yep. Yeah. Or, I mean, in, in my little tender crab heart, it's like, I finally get to be the kind of friend that I always knew I could be when nobody wanted to be my friend. Oh. Like, all of you rejected my friendship for the first 13 years of my life. And all of this, all of this desire to be, to befriend someone and to be a shoulder and a companion and a support and a cheerleader, and have inside jokes. All of that energy for just more friends. When I finally hit a pool of people that was willing to be my friend, I was like, cool, everybody in. Everybody in. Uh Oh, you that's really difficult to befriend, especially you. Uh Uh-huh. I'll show you how good I am. I'm going to show you how fucking good I'm going to be. Oh, I'm going to friend you so hard. (laughs) I'm going to friend you so fucking hard you won't have any idea what happened. (laughs) And I did. I mean, I did. I am dogged, girl. (laughs) I believe that. I am dogged. 
but I can't, but that would, but it came from a scarcity. Mm-hmm. It came from a scarcity. And you know what? Having real great friends felt amazing. Yeah. So much better than I realized it could. I never, ever wanted to discount Brittany. Brittany was my best, best, best friend. And I had all of that with her. But again, we didn't go to the same school. So I was really only around her on weekends. Yeah, that's so and hard. And in the summertime. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was hard. I did not have an everyday friend that I could really count on. Um until high school. Yeah. And then I and then there were so many and there were still so many red flags and I didn't even care. Yeah. I didn't even care because they weren't they weren't people who were bullying me. That was really the only red flag that I had paid attention to right. previously. I don't feel like I had that as much on the friend front. Um but definitely when it came to anything romantic, I I mean, part of it was like finding the wounded and, mm-hmm. and trying to heal them because I was getting that extra jolt. Like I was saying, like, I'm, I'm, it feels good for me and it feels good for like you feeling good around me makes me feel good. And, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. but it also is really unrealistic and it, and it makes you, Dan Savage talks about like, before you can get into a relationship with someone, that person has to be in good working order. And what that means, like, if you're actually trying to pursue something with that person and uh, have, like, a deep, intimate connection and a sharing of actual feelings and emotions, Mm. that person has to be able to have their own shit together enough to be able to support you in in an equal fashion. Like, you have to be leaning up against each other and one person isn't knocking the other one over. Mm. Um, And that was never... I literally remember being at camp and having that boy lean up against me while we were, I don't know, it was some nighttime programming thing. Um, and my hands were falling asleep from the way I was holding myself up, but I didn't want to, him to stop leaning on me. Oh my God. I, that feeling, that is what all the fucks is guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is it. I've been there. I have felt that exact thing. I was like, I'll get nerve damage before I move. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I just did it oh, and over you can and feel your again. muscles fatigue, and it just doesn't even matter. Oh, and thank God that Don was the, was the one that clicked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just his wonderful, gentle nature and his sweet, caring heart. Like... Mm-hmm. No animosity, no malice in him whatsoever. Not a, a, an instinct to be manipulative right. has ever crossed his mind. Right. And, you know, we have all have our foibles. And, I, like, the world is not perfect and no relationship is perfect. But, like, when I think about <laughs> moving to New York. Oh, and what had, could have happened? Well, I'm coming, springboarding off of fucking Kevin who lived on my couch. <laughs> Come on. Fucking <laughs> Kevin. And his orange lighter from prison. <laughs> Listening to House at Pooh Corner. I could have easily I could have easily jumped from any version of Kevin. Back and forth and back and forth. Oh, 
God, yeah. In New York? In New York? Are you kidding? Mm, the sociopaths up right. here? Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And you were you were just 21, right? Yeah. And and how old were you when you met Don? How soon into living in New York 22. did you? I moved up. I moved up here in the fall of 2000. And I started meeting the Wow Cafe people probably, I think, in January or February. Uh, I did a show with them and then got into another show that went up, I think, in July or August. Yeah, I think it was July. And um, around that time is when I met Don. So in 2001, months before (laughs) 9-11. Yeah. So I was 22. I still, like wasn't great at drinking in bars and holding my shit together. Like, And you certainly hadn't worked on healing any of your shit. Oh, no, no. Like no, because I was immediately in another pressure cooker. I, right. I didn't have safety at my grandmother's house. Like, it was mm-hmm. messy. Um, poor, like, poor lady. I was not equipped to help take care of her. And then all of a sudden, she was moving. So I, the whole safety net that I had been envisioning for years was oh, once no. again pulled out from underneath me. So it's not like even if I had found someone who I wanted to have a romantic thing with, uh, have I ever, oh, did I ever tell you about my blind dates when I moved to New York? No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that one down because that's a good episode too. Yes, please. Um, uh, um, oh, my God. I was not in good working order. Like, I was still, no. I was a mess and still trying to take care of people and having, ha! Sorry, blind dates. Um, mm-hmm. This guy, uh, hanging out with men that I knew were not good for me, and women, quite frankly. Like when I was with the um, with the Wow Girls, and I would go out to like Meow Mix or the Click Club and things like that. I, uh, I definitely allowed myself to get into situations with people that I didn't want to get out of, but I knew I was not, not used emotionally. That's not really a target. Were you being a little manipulated? I'm naive. And I feel like I had a target painted on my forehead at the time. Oh, will you tell me privately what that all looked like? Oh, I mean... I don't have to be private. Like I would, I would go hang out with the cast members and stuff. And I remember specifically one day it was pretty late and they, they were like, Oh, uh, it's Josie's birthday. She gets to make out with everybody. And I was like, sure. I'll make out with Josie. Um, and like immediately she got super, super, super gropey. And I was at that time in my life where I was like, uh, I want everyone to touch me and I want no one to touch me because I'm so scared of sex. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I didn't even know what my boundaries were. And I think people saw that and thought it was mm. fun. Oh, you know sure. That mean? So oh. when I was at a point where I like could have maybe had some sort of, um, romantic thing with a girl I was only experiencing those interactions in ways where I felt like if I didn't play by the rules then I wasn't attractive if I wasn't as giving as this person expected me to be 
then I wasn't really into girls, like whatever, all of that. Mm. That is an uncomfortable pressure cooker. Were they all quite a bit older than you? Not everybody. Um, uh, I guess it's about half and half people in their very young 20s and then people in their 30s and 40s. I think that, I think that, um, especially in any sort of theater experience, there have to be uh, some people who have their shit together who are older, who are trying to guide everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But those folks usually didn't come out to the clubs with us. It was usually the young ones. If you're asking me Mm -hmm. if anybody had my back, no. The answer is no. Nobody was like, hey, is she going to be okay? I mean, those nights, I absolutely could have left with with anyone and nobody who I was with would have even, they would have been like, yeah, go ahead, go on. Instead of being like, oh, do you want to take my number and call me if something weird happens? Like, oh, right. it was a really weird mix. And also part of me was like, well, maybe this is just New York. Maybe this is how people are friends with each other in New York. Maybe this is how people hit on each other in New York. Maybe this is how this works. I feel like you literally were living the coochie snorcher monologue. Oh gosh, I don't remember that one. Uh, it's about a teenage girl who meets an older woman and, uh, and has sex with her. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, I don't, it was usually girls my own age. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the, at the, like, so the Click Club had, like, go-go dancers and stuff. It was definitely a dancey, dancey, dancey club. Um, and, uh, so it was, like, dark the crowd the crowd that I was with was definitely young so I guess it makes a little more sense that everybody was like yeah go hook up and have fun right because everybody's 22 and everybody's just fucking (laughs) monsters yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and also I don't think any of them knew me well enough to know what a mess I was so there's that yeah right oh sure they didn't know to use kid gloves. Oh, I still had a very kid brain. Which is interesting because I also feel like they're maybe, maybe like sees like, but um, I, I feel like there are lots of people who, even if they have a, a pretty good grasp on their, uh, their life view and their demeanor, like you can look at them and automatically be like, Oh, she's seen some shit. (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite part of having gone through all of the things that, that we have gone through because being able to see that can go both ways though, because it can be a good Mm -hmm. thing. It can also be someone seeing your vulnerability, like somebody who's Mm -hmm. gone through some shit and knows and wants to take advantage of people versus someone Mm -hmm. who's gone through some shit and like, wants that lovely connection with people. Right. Yeah. Someone seeking a broken person or someone seeking a wise person. Oh. <laughs> yes. I've met both kinds of people. It's awful. Oh. That's the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, that's another, I, all of this is to say that I, genuinely don't know what it's like for people who haven't been through the shit Mm. to the point where I can't even really hang out with them. Right. Right. There's no, there's no meat there. No, 
<laughs> it's, it's all just rice pudding. <laughs> but, you know, but, uh, and, and if it feels like someone like Lillian, but Lillian, you're very social. Yeah, she's super social in a city that attracts a lot of oddballs <laughs> who have inherently seen some shit and in a very specific field that is exclusively oddballs who've seen some shit (laughs) that is fair that is fair i always like to joke that like nobody becomes uh a burlesque dancer because they were hugged enough as a child like (laughs) absolutely absolutely you're not gonna get you're not gonna it's bad enough when you're an actor and you're like i have to stand up here and beg for your approval but when you're like also i have to take my clothes off not to that's that's mean. That does that's not what I mean. But it's no, but I know it is it's true that if you are drawn to that kind of to making a spectacle out of yourself to that degree, which is wonderful and and incredible and celebratory, but it usually yes. doesn't come from a place where you have always felt nurtured and safe. Absolutely. I feel comfortable saying usually in that. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Father's Day on my Lillian Bustle Facebook page feed mm. looks a lot different from Father's Day on my Muggle page. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. I saw, how long ago was this? I don't know, maybe two years ago. I saw some really beautiful um, clapback about the phrase daddy issues. And can, and, and it was basically, a, and, and look, I am a person who hung out with boys who would make fun of girls with daddy issues and who would um, and who would demonize and slutify girls who had daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I at one point said it myself in some kind of derogatory capacity. Guess what? Guess who has closets of pelicans full of daddy issues? <laughs> So many. So many. Guess who descends from women with fucking daddy issues? And what I saw, and it helped me so much just seeing it, was can we fucking stop vilifying and discounting abused women? I'm using abused in a broader sense. Who clearly have have faced suffering at the hands of someone who was supposed to take care of them, and instead of uh, of uh, simplifying it and excusing it by saying she has daddy issues, can we hold one man ever accountable mm. for the generations of lives that he is about to fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> Literally ever? No. Uh, can 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 women can can children not bear the fucking responsibility for this shit that we're put through? Yeah, why are we the punchline? Why are we the punchline? Life has already been a shit sandwich. Why does it have to then discredit anything that I am about to go do? Even up to and including um, women who aren't necessarily experiencing that, but are just owning their sexuality, and it happens to be manifesting in a way that looks like a pattern that you think is less than. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I would I would take that a step further even and say if a, if a woman or a femme is fortunate enough to come from a fully stable and safe home situation, chances are very good they have still experienced that kind of diminishment. If they've still experienced that kind of marginalization at the hands of probably a dude who had more power than they did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so whether you grew up with that, and that's what love fucking looks like to you, or whether you are trained to adhere to some version of that because that is the social construct that we live in. Right. Either way, yes, we've all got issues and we've all we're all trying to learn to heal and thrive and find our voices in a society that does not value us right. at all. And that the, the, seeing it framed like that really helped me. Yeah. Really helped me because I also, as somebody who was well aware that I had daddy issues and was well aware that I came from an abusive home environment, I could not find a way to ever freely talk about where I came from because, oh no, they're going to paint me with the daddy issues brush. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Oh, I kept a lid on my life. Uh, as much as I could. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, oh, good. Just another actress who has, like, it felt so reductive. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be reductive. But, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is all about grace, but it's certainly about the path to grace. Well, I'm. I think that all of this at least touches on our our being kind to ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And the immeasurable amount of patience and forgiveness and compassion that you need to give yourself all the time, really, all the time. And it. And there is no. There is no bar that you have to hit of like, I am this fucked up. No, we're all fucked up enough. We're all fucked up enough uh. just from living in this world, period, end. Now is honestly a perfect time to experiment with it this time that we're all suspended in the aspect of quarantine. <laughs> That's my book title. Oh, girl, I am so tired of cooking. <laughs> I, I'm so like, I love to cook, but I have, I just don't care anymore. Like I just, Mm. I don't. Yes. Oh, it's just, I want it to be special again. I want to have like a week where I'm like running around and only eating weird wraps that I bought from Trader Joe's or whatever. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make short ribs. Yay. Mm. Well, if you want a recommendation, Mm -hmm. I subscribe to a box called Hungry Root. Oh, I still have to cook it, though. No, actually. Everything everything comes to you cooked. What? All of the meats that they send you come cooked. You can just warm them up if you want, or if you don't, you don't have to. Uh... And all of the veggies or grains that they send you are, like, super quick. So... Uh, if it's a saute, it's like a seven minute saute. 
Holy it's like crap. a tablespoon of oil and in a pan for seven minutes. Add this sauce. Your meat's already cooked. There you go. There's dinner. Yeah, hungry root is essentially whole convenience food. Wow. I like them very much, and they're reasonable, and they deliver once a week, and you can get a box of any size, and especially for just a couple, it's perfect. Ugh, this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, before you do anything, let me send you whatever my code would be so Yay! you can, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yay! No one has ever used my Hungry Root before. This is really exciting. But yeah, uh, I, I very much enjoy the Hungry Root box. And I may have mentioned it before in early quarantine. However, I mean to correct myself. I think the business is based in Brooklyn, but they do not only ship to the greater New York area. They ship all around the U.S. Gotcha. And potentially Canada. Uh, I thought I might have seen that, but definitely all over the U.S. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for this You're wonderful welcome. conversation. Oh, my God. Deep, deep, deep heart talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All lightened by the prevalence of pelican sounds in the beginning. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> eh. <laughs> and then all those snaps. I, I, it, it sounded like a gator snapping its jaws. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to have... Bird gators. No, bird gators. I'm going to have... Them's my daddies. Them's my daddies. <laughs> oh, all up in there like hair in a biscuit. Oh, boy, oh, boy. More merch. <laughs> Well, enjoy the rest of your day, and you two, fuck buddy friends. Fuck buddies. Give yourselves a hug. Oh, please. You deserve it. We don't give a shit what you've been through. You deserve it. One from us and one from you. That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. Check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash all the fucks. And if you're not in a position to support, please feel free to share. Or if you're picking up what we're putting down, mm. like, review, subscribe. Why did that? Something about that. Oh, that's like a that's like a oh, no, no. '70s jive yeah, talk. Yeah, no, I know. That. I know. <laughs> I'm groovy enough to know what that means. <laughs> I knew you would be. That's why I said it. And then I was confused as to why you didn't get my very dated reference. <laughs>